Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. 2 Peter 1, 5, you know, last week we really concentrated on this add to your faith virtue, realizing what a huge topic virtue is. It's, it's a very big term, broad term, a lot of different uh, understandings of what that might mean for you. But ultimately what we realized is that to add virtue is, is to add goodness, and that goodness is measured by the standard that God creates through his commands. So to add virtue is to add obedience to his word, to his commands, And what we understand also that as we are working to add obedience to defined virtues as defined in the word of God, we learn that we are to guard it. Let's look at John 14, 21. It says, he who has my commandments and what? Keeps them and keeps them. It is he who what? And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So again, first of all, who would like God to manifest himself more and more to you? Like literally, like God is showing himself to you at deeper and deeper, at deeper and deeper levels. We think about that. We really have the opportunity for God to open up himself to us even more. Which before, you know, where God might be a distant God and some religions keep him very distant and he can't be pleased or he can't be approached. Here he's saying, if you love me, if you respond to the love that I have for you, And obey my commands. What's going to happen through that obedience is that you are going to learn more and more about me. I am going to reveal more of my heart to you. Because I think a lot of our walks are suffering from a lack of heart. We have a lot of things figured out in terms of how to live. But we're missing the heart of God. And sometimes our adding of virtue is not done in a correct understanding. And so as we move into uh, today... We have to understand that when Jesus said, keep my commands, he meant guard them. And we talked about guarding things of value. You don't have to be told to guard things that are valuable to you. It's a natural instinct. And so he was saying, if you love me, then guard these commands because they are the most important thing in your life. And they are for life. And they are from me. And I am love. And so these commands, as hard as they might seem, are for you and your protection. So guard them, keep them close because they can be snatched. The word of God at some level can be snatched and taken away from you. We have to remember that. You see, Jesus, when he was uh, explaining the parable of the sower, he kind of gives an insight into different soils, which are actually different hearts, but all of us could have an aspect of these soils in our lives. If you look at, he says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 18. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and we have to remember, they didn't have Bibles back then. How they learned was through hearing. Things were taught, and they were received. That's why storytelling was such an important part of learning, and parables were an important part of learning, because it helped them remember the concept And so here he's saying, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. Okay? That could be any one of us. 
Or it says, this is he who received seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word of God or reads the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles or is enticed to sin, trips up, forgets, and then falls back into old ways, into old virtues, which are not virtues at all. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world. Anybody relate with cares of this world? Okay. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes what? So again, do you see why Jesus says, keep the, guard these, make these the most important things in your life, because there is so much in this world that is trying to snatch it and choke it and pull it away from you. So it takes dedication, but that's okay when you know how valuable it is, right? So we talked about value. We talked about the value of the word. And so what we're going to look at today is that we're adding virtue. It's both, you have to know it and keep it close, but you also have to observe it, right? Or it doesn't do you any good. And so as we're guarding the word and observing it, see, as we observe it, it becomes part of our DNA. And I'm telling you, there's nothing easy about observing it. Amen. It's not like we master a virtue, then move on. We just progressively are learning throughout our walk the different virtues of God for us. And it says, add to your faith virtue, and virtue what? And you're going to see this list all works together. It's kind of symbiotic in a way. They all work together. So how do you know what virtue to add without any what? Knowledge. Right? Right? So we could have some knowledge, and then we're okay with that knowledge, but then the knowledge ceases. So what's happening? We're not growing in our faith. And therefore, the manifestation or understanding, the full understanding of God is missed at many levels because we've stopped adding knowledge. But first of all, I'm going to ask you something. When I say add knowledge, you know, and this is talking about not, not, not the revealed knowledge, but just literally knowledge. What is, what is knowledge? When it says add knowledge... Like, what do you think knowledge means for you? Applied wisdom. Applied wisdom. Anybody else? Recognition. Recognition. What do you, you got one? Wisdom, is wisdom. Okay. Anybody else? Like, you hear that. Add knowledge. Practically speaking, what is, like, what, how do you do that? What? Thank you. Read the book. <laughs> so you start there. You read the book. Okay. And that's what Peter is saying at some level. And this word means to, um, well, you're going to see, bring, you're going to see something. I got, I got to read to you something first before I even get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But first know this, it's general intelligence and understanding. So add to yourself the general intelligence of the book. Add, but more importantly, Understanding. Understanding. Big difference between knowing, knowledge, and understanding. Anyone ever taken algebra? 
I had knowledge, but no understanding. <laughs> I'm not Joe. I mean, I mean, there's a big difference. And the more the teacher taught, the less understanding I had because I missed it way over here. You see what I mean? So understanding is the key. Watch what Jesus says in the parable of the sower when he's explaining it. But he's like, now this soil, but he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears, remembering this, this, this is like he who reads or hears the word. And what? It's two different, two different aspects, two different, two different things. Read and understand who indeed what? bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And so understanding is the key to our knowledge. And what does understanding mean to you all? Like, you know, if you, if I just don't try to get all like deep. Just what's understanding mean? Like, oh, I understand. You get it. Anybody else have another way of phrasing it? It clicks. Anybody else? What? Did you look at the title of my message? (laughs) To understand, and it means to set or bring together, to set or join together in the mind. And I had that moment eventually with algebra, and it wasn't until college when I retook it. But there was this, oh, Oh, I have been such an idiot for so long. This is so simple. How could I have missed this, right? And you all, see, Jesus is saying, he who hears, he who reads, but hears the good news of the kingdom, who hears the word, and then understands it and has the aha moment. That's he who bears fruit. And I would ask you today, how many aha moments have you had? Because there's going to be little ahas, but there's a big aha that really every single aspect of Scripture points to. And if we miss that aha, we could be very misguided in our walk. And so, last week I wanted to show you a video, but it wasn't working. It was a good thing because I actually think it fits better this week. But I think it really kind of demonstrates an aha moment in a brilliant way. If you can play that scripture and pull the lights down just a little bit, Jack. This cost me 300 bucks! Would you shut up about the car? Hey, and another thing. How do you know where I live? Let's just say we're related, Biff. And that being the case, I got a little present for you. Something that'll make you rich. You want to be rich, don't you? Oh, yeah, sure, right. That's rich. (laughs) You're going to make me rich? (laughs) You see, this book, this book tells the future. Tells the results of every major sports event till the end of the century. Football, baseball, horse races, boxing. The information in here is worth millions, and I'm giving it to you. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of (laughs) here? Leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. Yes, let me show you. Yard line, UCLA trails 17 to 16. It's fourth and 11 with only 18 seconds left in this game. I'd say it's all over for UCLA. Bet you a million bucks UCLA wins at 19 to 17. What? 
What are you deaf? Old man, he just said it was over. You lost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here comes Decker with a kick. It's up. It looks good, folks. It looks very good. Field goal. UCLA wins 19 to 17. Listen to this. the impromptu all right, Pops, what's the gag? How did you know what the score was going to be? I told you, it's in this book. All you got to do is bet on the winner and you'll never lose. <laughs> That's an aha moment, all right? Back to the Future 2 classic movie. But again, I don't know why that popped in my mind, but it did. I haven't seen that movie in 20 years. But again, do you see, there was stubbornness, there was just misunderstanding, there was just a general, like, not listening and not caring, but ultimately, there was that moment when it all came together. What he was saying, all of a sudden, like, wait a second, there's something to this. So everything in that book pointed to the greater truth, the greater aha, is like, this book is true, and you will be rich. And so again... When I'm talking about aha moment, like, you know, when God hands this to you as you believe in Jesus Christ, it's one of these saying, there's a big aha in this. This book declares a very big truth that will guide you, hold you, keep you, that will provide everything that your, your heart and soul desires because you were created by God for him to exist with him and here in this points to who your father is there's a and i, I we're going to get to this big aha moment but every every bit of knowledge that we add should always point to the big one to the big like oh my goodness this is who he is this is who i serve so i'm going to ask you a question you don't have to answer out loud because any of us that are in this walk of faith, I mean, I, we all have our journey. We all have our hang-ups and difficulties and pasts and presents and fears of future, whatever it is. And in the midst of all this, we're, you know, we're trying, right? We're, we're trying. We're working at our faith. But a lot of times we can be driven by a different aha, driven by a different understanding. And so I'd ask you today, what does God really want of us? What's God truly desiring? Not you, but would you, what's your belief at what God wants from you, desires for you on a daily basis? Is he up there on a daily basis looking down just completely frustrated, completely disappointed all of the time? Is he looking down, just waiting for you to mess up again? Is he up there waiting for you to mess up so that he can pull his salvation away from you? Is he waiting to condemn you? Is he waiting to point out all your flaws so you feel horribly bad about yourself? What, what does he want from you? What does he desire? What does your Father in heaven desire? Now I want you to think about that for a second. Because trust me, the aha moment is going to come along those lines. Because there's a lot of virtue in here. There's a lot, right? And if we don't get the understanding, have that moment of understanding, this could be stolen very quickly, right? This could be stolen. 
If we don't understand the nature of who our God is and what this is for, you see, this becomes a standard of measure by which he can accept or reject us. Right? That's not what it was meant for. But yet we can live that way. We can apply the word that way. I want to show you something. Luke 19, 41 says this. It says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. That word translated is not like when you, it's a wailing, it's a deep sorrow. It's not drying your eyes with a tissue. It is a deep, heartfelt sorrow for his chosen people. It was a sorrow, not a wrath, not an anger. It was a sorrow for his people. Saying, if you had known, understood, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your what? But now they are hidden from your eyes. You don't understand. See, God, Jesus came. He, he came into the city. He knew what he came in for. And he was weeping over the people that would eventually crucify him and reject him. But he wasn't mad. He wasn't angry. He was sorrowful. Why? Because he loves, remember God is love. He loved his children. He loved his children. He loved the children of Israel, but yet they didn't understand and did not receive him. And so he was sorrowful. See, we're getting a glimpse into the heart of God and that doesn't change. When we reject him, he is sorrowful. When we sin and stumble, see, he is up there pulling for us and rooting for us to come back, to come to the throne of grace to receive help because he wants peace. See, he's not up there with this. Oh, 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 yeah, you missed that one. You missed that. Do we really view God that way? I I mean, you have to know. See, this is Jesus literally weeping over the city, over his people that were rejecting him because he did not want them to reject him. But their idea and understanding of a savior did not match match up with who he was. They did not understand it. And look, same account, little different account though in terms of what is dictated. In Matthew 23, 37, it says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So here it is, Jesus weeping, looking over the city, filled with sorrow, desiring them to to, to understand and know the time of their visitation, and that he was the promised one, the Savior, that would bring peace to their life and connection back to the Father, right? But what illustration does he use? Here it is, God of the universe, Jesus incarnate. He could have used so many different illustrations. And he could have said, you know, as a king, I desire to slaughter all of you who are rejecting me. 
As a great and mighty warrior, I desire to take all of you out that do not understand who I am. What's he say? He compares himself to a hen. A mother hen. This is Jesus saying, oh, how I wish as a mother hen. He's comparing his love and his desire as that to a mother hen. Let's look at this picture. Do you see, is that a picture of God that you have in your mind? Now it is. Thank you. I think a lot of adults are saying that now too. You know, this is so important. This was a big aha for me this week. Jesus didn't use these words lightly. He had every reason in the world to desire to condemn them, destroy them, but he sorrowed for them. He desired protection. What happens under the wings of a mother hen? I mean, just, just, just common sense. Comfort. Comfort. Safety. Warmth. Warmth. Love. Love. Right? Nourishment, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's everything that is needed is found under the wing. It's, this is the aha moment. This is who our God is. And he is perfect in love. He is perfect in holiness. He is perfect. They are all part of him. And yes, a perfect God cannot look upon sin. He can't do it. Yes, there's a judgment of God that is very real. But it's, it's from a place that he can't see sin, nor he, can he be in the presence of it. So he had to make atonement for it. And so he took that penalty upon himself so that he then can have connection. So that he can bring us under his wing. How often are you seeking the comfort and protection of your father? Like that. See, this is. I'll read to you. I'll read to you Psalm 17. God's nature is always, it's, it's repeated. If it's used once, often it's used again because it's who he is. It says, I've called upon you for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Oh, you save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your what? From the wicked who oppress me, from the deadly enemies who surround me again. Is God waiting to condemn you? But we walk as he does sometimes. You see, and as we add virtue, what he says is, then I'm going to manifest myself to you, reveal yourself to to you. You're not going to be unfruitful in the true revelation of God. You're going to have a deeper revelation of that picture of who he really is. And see, and virtue is a way that he guards us, remember? Remember? That's how he keeps us under his wing. He guards us through his virtues. He's like, these are, if, if you love me, do these. This is how I keep you safe. This is how I keep you in, a, in the ways of life. This is how I keep you from going astray and from, from being sucked into this world, into the lifelessness of this world that promises all sorts of things that aren't there. It's gonna, it, it, he's like, don't let, it, don't let the world snatch this away. You see, it's so important Hey, Mary, can I borrow you for a second? All right, so I'm a dad, right? Any other dads in here? <laughs> she looks so thrilled. 
I think every dad or even mom can, this is what you want to do for your kid. I mean, this is like, you're just like, uh uh-uh. I'm not going to bring you up this week, Angela. (laughs) Right? But there's there's an instinct to us, right? I, I want to guard them, protect them. I want to give them life. I want to provide for them. I want the best for them. I can't do this for very much longer, right? Because she's going to grow old. There's going to be free will. So how do I keep this at some level? By instilling in her virtue and hope that one day she applies it. That's how I protect her. That I instill God's virtues into her life. So that one day when she's out there, right? But if I'm implying those virtues in a way that is condemning, right? Where it's a source of fear and expectations that can never be measured, that can never be lived up to. If it is like this blanket, cold, do these things. Do you think she really feels protected and loved? (laughs) No, it's a combination. I'm saying do this because of this. And as she goes, right? And as she hopefully applies these virtues, as the world is what? Closing in on her, pulling for her, (laughs) right? Guess what? If she applies them, she's under the wing. She's under my protection. (laughs) Guys, our fatherly instincts come from our Father in heaven. And some of you had really cruddy fathers. And some of you had really great fathers. Great mothers, not so great mothers. But you see, this is God. This is the God who wept over his children that were rejecting him because he loved them so much. Do you think I'm going to be angry and mad one day if she rejects me and goes another way? No. My heart will break. I won't be up there. Well, too bad. Should have followed all my ways. Oh, you're done. <laughs> You see, God wants connection with us. He wants us to understand his heart so that as we walk through this world, we understand that his demands or his commands are for our good. So we love them with all of our heart and we do our best to apply them. And when we stumble and fall, we don't have to fear. We boldly approach the throne of grace to receive help, right? But some of you have grown up where that God has not been preached. It's a lot of fire and brimstone. And that is a reality for people that reject the truth of Jesus Christ. And he's like, I've offered it to all mankind because God so loved the world. And so... Psalm 91, a couple more verses here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my what? Refuge and my my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take what? 
He shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. This is our God, and this was an understanding that was prevalent in the Old Testament where it was burdensome, but they still knew the value of his word, the value of his commands. Those that got it, got it. See, you all, it's... It's protection, it's life, it's refuge, and it points to the heart of a father. And so as we add knowledge, we should always be adding. Like any Bible, I said this earlier in the first sir, any Bible study you're doing, either alone or with a group of people, any Bible study, please don't just add knowledge. Get to the heart of it. It's like, what is this pointing to? What's the understanding of God's heart in this? Because if it doesn't point to him, it's kind of futile in a way. It's good to add knowledge, but ultimately you got to be reaching for that big aha moment. How is this revealing God's heart? How is it revealing his heart? I guarantee you're always going to find a loving father because God is love. And doesn't mean he doesn't have standards. Love has a ton of standards because they're protection and they're for our good, right? And he says this in 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the son of God has come and given us what? That we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. His son, in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Did you catch something in there? There is no understanding without the Spirit of God. He has given us understanding. The Spirit of God tugs on your heart and gives you understanding that defies your own understanding. See, we need the Spirit of God. We need to wait sometimes if we are looking at something that is confusing. If we are looking at something we don't understand, don't just rush through it. You know, pray around those areas Study in a way that says, Lord, help, show me, show me, show me, show me, right? Show me. Don't just plow through it and think you did something. Show me your heart. This is so hard for me. Lord, why do I have to forgive somebody? Do you know what they did? Do you know how they treated me? Do you know how they abused me? Do you know what they did to me? Why do I have to forgive? I don't like that virtue. I don't understand that virtue. But yet, Lord, I know that you are good. I know that you desire to protect me with all that you are. So, Lord, I'm understanding that this is for me and my protection. So, Lord, help me. Just just help me. Help me. Don't ignore it and throw it away. And then as we observe, even if we don't have full understanding, guess what happens? We get more understanding. We get to feel the burden release from our shoulders. We get to feel life again. Everything in here is for our life. That's the aha. And so if you want to come up. You know, we, um, there's so many different directions our brains can go. (laughs) And so much of our walk is a transforming of our mind, right? So we can understand that perfect will of God. 
And his will is always that we crave him because we understand him. You know that? And as we live in his ways, it bears, it bears fruit. So whatever you can do, remember that chicken. <laughs> remember that hen, okay? Even if you're eating chicken nuggets, let it point. <laughs> let it point to the goodness of our Father who is nourishing us. <laughs> but don't forget that and work for that aha moment. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word that declares your goodness, Lord, that declares your ways, that declares your perfection and holiness. Lord, and yes, we know we do not measure up, but yet we are so thankful for the grace that empowers us to continue to pursue you and love you. And Lord, we love because you first loved us. And I pray that if love has been missed in any heart here today, that that aha moment would happen, that they understand truly how much they are loved and cared for by you and that you desire for them to understand that and to seek refuge in you, no matter what it is they've done. Just like the prodigal son, he did a lot. As he came back, the father ran to him and put his arms around him. I pray for that for so many here today. Lord, you're so good. Father, you're so good. You're so loving. We praise you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalacci.com. That's Russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.